watch this week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Paxson. We're here talking all things sports in Salford. Join the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside from The Devil of Detail. All right, Paul, how's your week been so far? It's been very good, Rob. Thank you. Very good. It was a bit wet and... Uh... Wet and windy at Salford for the match on uh, on on Sunday afternoon, but um, no, I've enjoyed it. It's been a cracking weekend of sport, football, boxing, rugby league, you name it. I've done pretty well. I've seen quite a bit this weekend, so I've enjoyed what I've seen. I've enjoyed it. Yep. So we'll start uh, with a boxing and a big fight uh, this week was uh, Brook v Khan. What a fight it was! Talk us through it. Yeah, it certainly was. It's one that's been built for a while, and you know, it was very very. Um, one of those, those those sort of grudge matches um, across Britain, you know, you've got divided there, Sheffield against uh, against Cam- I mean, Khan, who's sort of Manchester Bolton, you know, Yorkshire, Lancashire, if you like, and bragging rights were, were there, weren't they? And sometimes these fights don't live up to expectation, and you've got two fighters there who are at the end, latter end of their career, both 35 years of age, but the fight did not disappoint one bit, that it was an absolutely tremendous fight. Um, two blokes that went absolutely hammer and tongue against each other. Amir Khan was... was was a favourite of many, you know, with his, with his hand speed, but you've got to hand it to, to Kel Brook. I thought his his power, his punch accuracy and everything, really, he, he took it away from Amir Khan. And in my opinion, he, he sort of bullied him, really, throughout that fight. And um, he, he just shows you Kel Brook has got a bit left in him, I think. And not quite sure where Amir Khan goes from that, but give Khan a lot of credit. I think he stood up and... And um, and took a lot of punishment there, and you know, could have probably thrown the towel in earlier than what 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 happened. So it was a great fight, explosive fight, and um, one that we remember for a long time to come, I think. And uh, yeah, massive win for for Brook, and uh, we'll have to see where where Khan goes from there. But it was a great spectacle. Was it worth the wait? Obviously, these two fighters have been uh, waiting a long time, haven't they, to get together, and uh, now they finally do, did it. Um, are you buzzing? Well, I was pleased for Kel Brook because he's a he's a fighter that I've I've always um, I've always admired. I admire his his, his training team in, in in the Ingalls gym in Sheffield. I think there's some really good guys there. You know, Dominic Ingle, Paul Ingle, and the late father Brendan. Great great trainers and a great history and tradition there. So uh, I'm very pleased for Kel. Um, I've always, like I said before, I've always followed him, and he's had some terrific fights. As has Amir Khan. I mean, Amir Khan's had a great career as well, and been in some very, very tough fights. You know, been in with the best of the best, um, as they as they both sort of have really. I think they've both been terrific fighters. And if that fight had happened ten years ago, would it have been the same as that? You don't know, dear. I'm, I'm just happy that it's happened now. Um, yeah, we probably did have to wait a bit longer than than what we did do, but we didn't wait, and, and we're disappointed. People were thrilled. It was it was a great night. It was a packed out Manchester Arena, um, absolutely buzzing atmosphere, and and you don't see many fights as explosive as that, do you? With with a finish like that, so um, and some of the punches that were thrown in that fight, so it didn't disappoint what whatsoever. I mean, if that fight happened again and they got it on again and had, had a rematch and, and Kel Brook count too. I think it'd sell out again in five minutes or whatever it was because people would want to see it. It really captured the imagination. I don't think it will happen again, but uh, it didn't disappoint, Rob. It was a terrific, uh, terrific fight. What's next for, for both fighters, Paul? Obviously, both had great careers, uh, but is there more to come? Um, well, without being disrespectful to Amir Khan, I think he openly said last night he he feels he's, he's knocking on a bit now and that could be retirement for him. I'm not too sure where he'd go from there now. So I would not be surprised if, if Amir decides to hang the gloves up. Uh, for Kell Brook, there's some big British fights there for him. I think Conor Ben was was calling him out, um, having a look at that, whether they'd they do that at what, whatever weight they do. I'm not too sure. I think Chris Eubank Jr. might be sniffing around as well for Kell Brook. But I think for Kell at 35 years of age, I think he's got to go away from that and enjoy enjoy that victory really before he starts thinking about somebody else I mean it's alright these fighters calling Kel out when he's had a big win like that but to me it's a bit disrespectful you need to let let him enjoy that you know let him enjoy his victories work so hard for that one you know been in a real rigorous training camp he needs to just enjoy the moment for that now and then worry about that in the next few months about where he's going to go but yeah there's some big British fights for him there I think the Ben Eubank one maybe uh, I'm not too sure where he'd go with, with those but I think they're the sort of fights he needs to be in now I'm not so sure whether he can still operate at world level against some of the best but I think a bit, another big British dust-up would capture the public's imagination at selling arena out make it more for a lot of money as well so perhaps he'll go down that road Where would you put Amir Khan in the greats of, of British boxing? Oh definitely I, th- I think Kel and Amir are both are both going to go down as you know I don't know about greats is a, is a, is a big word isn't it but I think yeah 
they've both done well. They've both won world titles and and defended world titles. So, you know, not many people can say that, that they've won world titles. I mean, it's a prestigious thing to do. Um, you look down both the records, they've had some terrific wins, been in with some terrific opponents. Um, you know, look at Brook, he's, his only defeats have come against some of the very best, you know, like said, Golovkin and, and what have you. Amir Khan's probably took a, a lot more hammerings, if you like, for want of a better word. Um, he's had quite a few knockouts on his career, but I think that's credit to him that he's come back from those knockouts. And some of them have been quite bad ones as well, where he's been knocked out cold and you thought, blimey, is he going to come back from that? And he has done so. I think you've got to give him an awful lot of credit for that. So I think in Khan and Brook, you've got two very, very tough men um, who've done it uh, against the best and beaten the best and won world titles. So that said, yeah, two, two great fighters, I'd say. Yeah, obviously... Another uh, fighter, Fraser Clark, got his pro clear pro career off to a winning start. Talk us through that. Yeah, he's been a terrific amateur um, and, and quite a prospect as well. I know um, he was buzzing for his debut, and you know the, the promoters were also buzzing to get him on the television, you know, live on Sky Sports for his debut. And uh, yeah, he made a very explosive t- start, didn't he? Really putting his uh, putting his opponent away early doors with it with it with a big with a big finish. So uh, yeah, there's, there's a bit of potential there for, for Fraser Clark. And as I said before, he's had a good amateur pedigree, and uh, you know if he steered in the right direction, now he could start uh, start mixing it up in the in the heavy weight division hopefully because there's an awful lot of good fights out there for him especially at domestic level to get him started and then you know see if he can go along the European route and just see where his career takes him I think it's one of those once you start in a you know your pro career a bit later I don't think you can sort of start shouting your mouth off about world titles until you've gone the right route so I think he'll have to, to, to plan it right and then just see where his career takes him but it's an exciting journey for him to be on yeah, he won bronze in the Tokyo Olympics in 2020. Uh, super heavyweight fighter, uh, age 30. Is um, obviously boxing. It's not a young man's game, is it? And there is fighters who are, are quite advanced in age, so he has plenty of time to make an impression. Yeah, well, particularly the heavyweights as well. I think sometimes you know you don't sort of find that man strength until you get to your sort of late 20s, do you? So I wouldn't have anything against him at the age of 30. I think he's got some good years in him there. He's, he's, a, he's a fit lad as well. And as you said there, he's you know coming through the Olympics and that amateur pedigree that he's got, he's probably had a, tons of fights at amateur level, learned his craft, and he's going to bring that into the into the pro ranks now. And with a good promotion team behind him, he, he's going to get fights now. And if you're doing you know, maybe three three fights per year, something like that, you're, uh, you're going to soon get up on the on the, on the the ladder and start moving. So, uh, so yeah, I've, I've no doubt he can really mix it up, especially at a British level for a kickoff, and then just see where he goes after that. But he's definitely got some talent. He's a big lad, and he's an explosive puncher as well. So it, I think he can go a long way. In obviously heavyweight boxing, is hand speed more important than power? Um, I'd probably say no, to be honest with you. I mean, well, we talk about hand speed. Hamir Khan is a lot quicker than Kell Brook. And I've had this debate with, with people before. We've talked about does speed beat power and things like that. He didn't in that fight. It was the power that, that won. Kell Brook's power overcame um, um, Amir Khan's uh, speed. So uh, I think in heavyweight boxing, it's... It can be a lottery sometimes, can't it? It's whoever lands that big punch first and whoever catches somebody off guard that, that, that sort of wins the fight. So heavyweight fighters aren't throwing nowhere near the amount of punches somebody would throw at sort of middleweight, lightweight. You know, it's um, you know you're, you're carrying that that much weight around. You're not going to be throwing 300, 400 punches in a round, are you? So I, I'd probably say it's whoever catches that 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 clean flush punch early doors is the one that makes all the difference. Yeah, and obviously with boxing, it's it's it is more tactical than just sort of windmilling. There is lots of tactics involved in the in the actual fight. Well, yeah, the, the, there's an awful lot of tactics in a fight. You, you've got to look at saving your energy and that, which a lot of boxers do. I mean, to get in there for for three minutes with with somebody over twelve rounds, there's no way you can go hell for leather for for the whole thirty six minutes of that fight. There's going to be times where you're going to have to cling on. You're going to have to take a backward step. You're going to have to take a breather. But it's about how you do it and how you go about that, whether you're leaning on your opponent, whether you're holding, whether you're having a mooch around the ring to get away from him. There's all sorts of things that go on there, depending on what, what fight you're fighting, whether it's a southpaw, he's orthodox. There's all sorts of things to, to boxing that people think sometimes don't realise. They think it's just two blokes and they were going to windmill at each other. So, you know, the trainers will tell you that there's an awful lot that goes into the preparation and planning. If you ask Amir Khan's team or Kell Brook's team about how they prepared for uh, for that fight on, on on Saturday night, you know they they both went doing the warm weather training. I think Kel was in Fort Aventura, and you know they leave no stone unturned whatsoever. They 
yeah, I mean, I know Kel's team have got a, sort of a dietitian there, nutritionalist, all sorts of fitness coaches. So it's it's a real exact science really boxing these days, especially at, uh, at the top level. Yeah, it kind of makes you wonder where boxing can go because obviously when you look back through the years, there's probably been better boxers who weren't as fit. Uh, but now you've got athletes who can box as well. Um, so where where do you think that's the direction of boxing is in the next sort of five? five, ten years, how will the sport and how will the the athletes get better? I think as a, as a nation in, in Britain, I think we've, over the last sort of 10, 15 years, I think we've improved massively, our athletes in, in boxing. I mean, if you go back to the sort of the 90s, we weren't getting anywhere near the sort of world champions that, that we're getting these days now. And, you know, we really are, especially look at the heavyweight division you've got Tyson Fury Anthony Joshua really rocked the world haven't we've gone over to America we've we've beaten their fighters and I think we've done, for a small island that we are hmm. I think we've done tremendously well and you know the sport over the last decade I think has grown I think you know the matchroom promotions Eddie Hearn's done a fantastic job for the sport whether you like him or not I think he's done a great job and he's brought boxing into um, into many homes in, in Great Britain, you know, people who probably wouldn't, wouldn't normally be into the fight game. I mean, you've got people who are who'll go watching boxing, the fight fanatics who'll go week in week out watching you know shows in sports halls and all sorts of things like that. But but he's brought it sort of mainstream now. So I think I think the sport can grow and grow. I mean, hopefully there'll be some fantastic nights again. Obviously, COVID had a big say in you know in in, in fight nights being postponed and behind closed doors and Eddie Hearn had some in his back garden didn't he I believe as well so I think uh, you know in 2022 there's going to be some massive fights and we've got a massive fight coming up in Scotland next week as well yeah we talk about promotion of, of the sport and obviously the, the TV revenue and, and the fighters and the TV and, and the media all getting excited about about it how, how much of it do you think filters through to the grassroots the, the money side of it it's a good question. That it is a good question. I know a lot of lottery money has gone into to boxing, as it's gone into quite a lot of other sports over the years, hasn't it? Because you, you find it's helped out a lot of gyms and, and things like that. I mean, if you're looking in Salford, Jamie Moore, a real good champion uh, boxer from from our neck of the woods, um, he's got walked in ABC now. I had the pleasure of going down there a few weeks ago to see one of my old uh, friends and. He's got a tremendous gym there, so he's putting you know a lot back into boxing after a, a tremendous career that he had, and I think that that's what seems to happen. I think a lot of the boxers now are very very close to uh, the gyms where they started. I know Repton down in London has a lot of its ex pros going back there, helping out and putting things back in. And in boxing, that seems to stay in sport. I think Amir Khan's very grounded, and I know his his amateur coach was there at ringside with him last night. So I think in boxing, they they, they do tend. The, the fighters do tend to put an awful lot back in, um, back into the sport, and uh, you know, and that's what helps the sport flourish. Yeah, so you think it's more about the boxers personally giving back rather than raising money to give to the clubs that bring them through. Yeah, I think it's a bit, a, a bit of both ways, really. I mean, I'm not a massive expert on that. I'm not too sure. I know in rugby league, you know, the the teams and things like that get like television money and things like that. I don't know whether that sort of money filters back down into the grassroots of boxing. I think a lot of that goes in the boxers' um, back pockets, I suppose, doesn't it? With the with the, with the purses for fights and things like that. But I do think the boxers are pretty genuine, and I think they help out their their clubs and and things like that. But I wouldn't really know where the rest of the money comes from, to be honest with you. <laughs> Uh, other fights next week. Uh, Josh Taylor takes on Jack. Is it Chatterall? Chatterall. Chatterall. Yeah. Super lightweight title is on the line. Uh, how do you see that one going? Yeah, I was talking to one of my friends at Walton and he said Jack Catterall was in a few weeks ago. He's quite a local lad and uh, he'd been in there speaking to some of the younger boxers, some of the junior lads who were in on a, on a Sunday morning. And he's very, very excited for this fight. I think Jack's a massive underdog for this fight against uh, against Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor's a fantastic champion, you know, undisputed uh, champion. And this is going to be a massive test for Catterall, but... I think one or two people have sort of said that you know Taylor could perhaps underestimate Catrell. Um, I, d- I don't think he will do. I think he's he's too good a champion for that. But you never know. I think sometimes fighters can take their eyes off the ball. And you know Jack's going up there as a as a massive underdog. And and sometimes an underdog can be very very dangerous. We we know that watching the sport of rugby league. How many times have our team Salford you know turned teams over when they shouldn't have done really? And and that can happen in sports sometimes. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this one goes. I think we, with with Jack, you're going to see a, a very tenacious fighter, someone who's going up there with, with 
with everything in, in his hands, really. Nothing to prove, really. Nothing to lose. And, and that can make you a very, very dangerous fighter. So I'm looking forward to that. I think it's going to be a great night. Great night in Glasgow in the, in the big arena there. And uh, that'll be sold out. You'll have a lot of Scottish fans there um, getting on his back. But it should be, it should be a great night. Yeah, Josh Taylor, Scottish boxer. He's a um, 2010 Commonwealth Games silver medalist. He's only one of six men to be to unify the four uh, world championship belts, which is, shows the quality he's got. Yeah, certainly. He was, you know, the Titan Tornado, as they call him, he is a terrific fighter, terrific hand speed, terrific power as well for the weight that he fights at. And uh, yeah, like I said, he, he's one of um, you know you know Britain's top boxers, really. You know, pound for pound, and uh, you know coming from a, a good boxing city there as well in Scotland. So uh, he's going to be a terrific fight. It really is. I think if you was to to sort of list all the British boxers, you'd probably have him in your top three. Definitely, I think at the moment he's uh, he's definitely up there, and it's a massive task for task for Catrell. And but I'm hoping Catrell does a good job. He, you know, he's a local guy, as I say, he's from from our neck of the woods. And let's hope he goes up there and causes an upset. I'd love nothing more than that. I bet for one horrible moment, I bet you thought I was going to ask you to name the other five then for a second, didn't you? Because yeah. <laughs> I was, could always feel like the, the blood draining from your face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never do. I never do my list. I don't. I'm not as good at preparation as you are, Rob. But, uh, but no. I think. I think at the moment we've got some tremendous fighters. I know when when we chat about boxing week in week out, James, who comes on with us, is a, is a massive boxing fan, and he, he's probably got an awful lot more knowledge than I have. He's a very knowledgeable guy. Um, we we talk about the fighters, and I know Connor Ben. Is is one of my favourites at the moment. I was particularly impressed a couple of weeks ago with uh, with Chris Eubank Jr. I thought he was absolutely sensational against uh, against Liam Williams. Liam Williams was good, but you know Chris Eubank Jr. took that fight. So yeah, we, we've got some some super champions, and you, you jump up to heavyweight. That's a Tyson Fury's going to be fighting again soon. So uh, there's so many British fighters doing doing their thing in each weight division, really. So it'd be difficult to pick a top five. So I'm glad you're not asking me to pick a top <laughs> five. Yeah, um, Jack Catterall is uh, El, nicknamed El Gato. His total fight is 26, uh, 126, 13 by knockout. So he can go the distance when needed. Yeah, and he's got a good record as well. So it's it, 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 now, this is a big fight for him because you're going in with someone who's, who's a sensational fighter. This is a big step up for him now. Um, but this is sometimes these these are the fights that define your career, aren't they? So you know, if you was part of Jack's team, you'd be saying, you know, you've got a massive chance here. You now you, you're going away from home. You're the away fighter. The pressure is not really on you. The pressure's on on Josh Taylor. He's in his home city, you know, his home country. He's going to have thousands of people behind him. You're just going to go there, block it out, and uh, and do the business. Look at Chris Eubank Jr. A few weeks ago, he went to the Lions Den there in. Uh, in Cardiff, and you know all those thousands of Welsh people behind uh, behind Williams, and you know we did the business and, and got the job done. Sometimes being the underdog and and sort of having that pressure taken off you a little bit, really, and that lack of expectation can, can work in your favour. So that's what I'd be saying if I was Jack Seymour, just go out and do your boxing, stick to your game plan. They'll have a game plan, there's no doubt about that. They'll study videos and, and watch Josh Taylor, and they'll be going there to give it their all, and it, it should be a very very intriguing contest. I've got the list here now, Paul. Um, Terence Crawford, Bernard Hopkins, Olbskank, uh, um, um, Uskik, he's cruiserweight, Jermaine, Jermaine Taylor and Josh Taylor. They're the six undisputed champions of, of boxing. Well, you've just named some belters there. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, Bernard Hopkins, I mean, I think he's retired now, hasn't he? He's probably, yeah. He's still boxing when he was in his 50s, but what a great what a great fighter he was. So, uh, so yeah, he's in a very, very, very esteemed company there. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'd be very proud if I was him. Yeah, we're all in esteemed company on a, on a, on a Tuesday, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly are. Yeah. So that's all the, the boxing chat. Uh, and now we're going to be talking ice hockey. Yeah, certainly, Rob. Can you tell us a bit about Manchester Storm? I mean, last time we spoke, it was a, a bit in and out, really, wasn't it? It's been a busy week for Manchester Storm this week. Three games this week. Can you tell us about that? Yep, three games uh, this week. First game against Nottingham Panthers away. They lost 4-2. Battling display by Storm. Unfortunately, couldn't get the win there. Jarrod Wormer with two goals from him. He scored 15 goals in 35 games so far this season. So he knows where the goal is. Uh, also, Adam Brady as well has bagged the same amount. So Manchester Storm do have goal scorers in that squad. Uh, and you're kind of hoping that they can keep that form up uh, and obviously shut the door defensively and hopefully uh, get a playoff spot. Second game they had was against 
Sheffield. Uh, they were away. They lost 7-2. Unfortunately, there was a medical emergency in the stands, which caused the game to be abandoned. Luckily, we've we've been informed that the uh, the person obviously who had the medical um, emergency is now well and, and better and fighting fit. So hopefully, uh, it'll, it'll make, they'll make a speed of recovery and be able to watch Manchester Storm in their next game. But unfortunately, defeat against Sheffield. Sheffield are the main derby uh, game. Um, disappointing defeat, but I suppose Ryan Finity and, and the and the boys have to put that to the back of their heads uh, moving forward. And then obviously Sunday they faced Dundee. Manchester Storm unfortunately uh, ended up losing to to Dundee. They lost six three. Uh, Paul obviously you know they're trying the best, uh, but another defeat, big defeat. And hopefully Ryan Finity's men can uh, you know get back into the contest get back into playing well and hopefully get into the playoffs uh, come the end of the season who are the fixtures coming uh, coming forward then who have we got left to play and how many games have they got left to play yeah a couple of games this uh, this next week they've got Cardiff away on Saturday and then they've got Dublin away on the Sunday so talk about travelling Paul you've got two games in two days and you've got probably two separate countries playing as well I mean that's that's a tremendous amount of travelling and a tremendous amount of physical uh, pressure on the body because obviously they're not playing tiddlywinks either they're playing ice hockey so to be to do all that flying and be ready for, for contact sport is, is, is unbelievable isn't it it certainly is. It takes an awful lot out of your body. That I, I don't know how them lads do it. Sometimes you see some of the games on the television and what they put into it. It's a very, very physical sport. I think we forget how physical ice hockey is sometimes, don't we? I wouldn't like to play the game myself. And it's on ice as well, which which is even you know crazier really because you know it can be physical, but when you've got uh, ice underneath your your feet, you know it's balance is one thing, and if and if obviously it comes to uh, you know getting the gloves off, and which is which is a kind of regular thing in, in ice hockey, they, they do seem to drop the gloves quite a lot, and and you know get together and, and find out who the, the strongest person on the ice is. Um, you know it can be a real uh, sort of challenge. I bet it can. I, I mean, I've had a bit of a go at boxing myself, but I won't fancy doing it on ice. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it'd be all over the place, like Bambi on ice. I think I'd be. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's crazy. But obviously, like I said, you know, it's 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 a great sport. Make sure you can get down there to the to the Manchester Storm uh, Arena. You know, they, they they do great things for 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 the supporters, and I'm just hoping that obviously they can continue to to play well, get wins, and uh, go up that table and aim, and aim for a playoff spot, Paul. Because if you can get in the playoffs anything can happen when does the season reach its climax is, is it coming towards the end of the season now no it's about I think there's about 15 games left you don't forget they play kind of two games a week don't they normally so yeah. they've got plenty of games in the tank Paul um, obviously you know there's there's, there's um, teams all over uh, sort of the country well all three countries really Scotland Ireland and, and England and you know it's just a matter of a Manchester Storm getting Getting the heads together, making sure that that they can, you know, keep performing. Don't don't get stressed. Don't start panicking because they've got plenty of games left. They are ninth in the table at the moment, uh, seconds to bottom. Five are rock bottom, but there's games to play. Paul, if they can get a run on uh, and win, sort of let's say two, three, four games on the spin, they can easily get back in the playoff contention. They're only three points off fifth, which is Coventry. So if if they can get the games together, get the wins together. You know, keep scoring the goals uh, and a playoff spot might just still be in reach. I think, as you say, a week in ice hockey can make a, a massive difference, can't If you're playing two or three games a week. It does. And obviously, you know, we love to cover it on the sports zone and we're hoping the Storm could pick up and then cha- do a cavalry charge for that uh, playoff spot. So that's all the, the ice hockey chat, Paul. And we're going to talk football now. We're going to start with Salford City FC. They were due to play Crawley Town um, at the Peninsula Stadium uh, this week, but it was called off due to waterlogged pitch. That's the fourth game in, Fe- in February that, that they've had uh, called off, which is a disappointment for the fans uh, and obviously for Salford, the, the club as well, because obviously they need uh, you know to generate funds uh, to keep the club going. Well, yeah, they need to get through the games as well, don't they? I mean, the more games you postpone, you still got to play them, haven't you? So the, the fixtures are going to start piling up. And you no, know, just just on that, I think. 
the, the weather, I think, in February has been been awful. And every mm. it seems every Saturday, Sunday has has been terrible. I mean, we work through the week, don't we? You get the weekend, and last couple of weekends has just been an absolute washout, haven't they? So um, it, it must be difficult as a as a groundsman to to sort of get the the pitches sorted. And I, I saw a photograph of that pitch, and I was thinking, oh, if there'd have been rugby league on there, would they have played it? And I thought maybe just about. But if you're playing football and you've got that much water on you. There's no point, is there really? You're not going to get the ball to move about anywhere, are you? So, so it must be tricky. It must be tricky with with the weather. I mean, we've all we've all seen the storms over the last couple of weeks, and there's not a lot you can do against the weather, can you? It's um, it's difficult. Yeah, there is talk of obviously Salford Red Devils swapping stadiums and moving into the Peninsula Stadium. Does that worry you that that the, the games have been called off in in February a lot? Um, not 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 really, Rob. I mean, our season. Sort of starts in February, but it goes through through the summer anyway, doesn't it? So you're only going to be playing a couple of games at home in, in the February. And I think we've had a bit of freak weather recently, and we I don't think we normally get this much this much rain. It's it's one of those things, isn't it? Perhaps we can do some work on the on the ground. Perhaps they can improve the drainage. I'm not too too sure what the what the state of the the ground is, but you know, there's not a lot you can do against the weather, can you? It's a, an act of God, as they say sometimes, isn't it? So uh, so yeah, perhaps we can do some improvements. I'm not too sure. Yeah, it was a. Uh co-owners Gary Neville's birthday uh, last week, Paul. Big celebration. Uh, he's done some great things for, for, for Salford City FC. Yeah, he certainly. Can he put some good drainage in with some of his birthday money? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, he certainly has. Yeah, I think he enjoys it by the... Uh... By the sound of it, doesn't he? And and uh, you know, a man that's um, very interesting to listen to when he's on, on the television. I like listening to Gary Neville. So, uh, so yeah, let's. Um, if you've got some spare cash, Gary, just put us some drainage in if we're moving to that ground. <laughs> yeah, they've they've been busy. The uh, Salford City FC going into uh, the local schools, promoting the, the 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 football, and it's great. Obviously, all our Salford uh, teams uh, in the city uh, really engaged in the community. They certainly are. Yeah, if we, we talk about our rugby league team at the moment, it's been uh, some fantastic stories recently, haven't they? And uh, Salford City seem like they're doing a good job as well. I know their attendances have, have seem to be picking up a little bit as well. And um, it looks a great atmosphere down there at uh, Moor Lane or the Peninsula Stadium, as you call it now. So, uh, so yeah, the more work they can do in the, in the schools and around Salford, the, the better. It does seem at the moment that sport in Salford is really on the up. It is, it is, and obviously, you know, we're we're going to be covering it on the sports zone, and hopefully, they'll continue their drive. Obviously, you know, looking at Salford City, you know, they've they've kind of found a bit of a level at the moment. Um, can, can they sort of found a bit, find a bit of momentum, and and get up to that next division? Yeah, I don't see why not. It might not be this season, but it's it is a big step coming up from. Um, Coming up from from non-league football into uh, into the the league two as they, as they call it now, there's some massive teams in there, and some some sides that have been in a lot higher divisions that have, have dropped down and found it really difficult to get back up again. There's a real good level of football there, and uh, there's a lot of ambition in there. There's some sides with with a bit of money behind them as well. I mean. A friend of mine watches watches Rochdale. He was telling me about that Bradford City. They, they get massive crowds watching them. And I went past the stadium a few weeks ago, and you think, blimey, they're in in the sort of the, the bottom tier of the football league. And then you've got sides like Salford, and I think Accrington are Accrington, Accrington gone up now. There's a couple of sides down there, you know, really tiny stadiums, but they, they managed to, to to compete with those bigger sides. So the big gulf sometimes in, in football and some of the leagues. You know, we we talk about rugby league sometimes. It seems a, a bit more level the, the rugby league league, but uh, but no Salford's. Yeah, seem to have plateaued a bit uh, of recent months and but I think I think they'll do okay they've just got to keep plugging away and not that far away from the playoffs this season you know they've had a few games postponed and those games are going to come thick and fast now if you can get on a bit of a roll you know you're back up there in the in the top six in the table yep uh Swindon away this week opportunity uh, to like I say chase that playoff spot yeah, it's another long trip, isn't it? Down to down to Swindon, down the M4, I think it is down there. So, uh, so yeah, if they can get a result there, you know, you you're back on then and uh, back on the on the on the horse, so so to speak. So another tough game for them, but uh, no, good good luck. Let's hope we can get three points back uh, back at Salford. Yeah, let's talk uh, Man City now. They were defeated this week. They lost three two uh, at home to Tottenham Hotspur. Two goals from Harry Kane, the English striker, scored a last minute winner for. The Spurs. Um, talk us through, Paul. Disappointed? Um, I thought it was a good performance for Spurs, to be honest. It was a cracking match to watch. I mean, I don't watch a lot of football, to be honest, but uh, I did catch a bit of that on Saturday evening. And 
you know, the the, pos- the possession at one stage in the in the match was like ninety percent to Man City, and they, they seemed to have so much ball, but but didn't do much with it really. And, and Tottenham took the chances and you know played on the break really well. Um, had a goal disallowed as well from uh, VAR, which I thought was quite harsh on them. Um, and I think it would have been a bit unjust, really, a draw. I think Tottenham deserved to win the game. And when they did, City got that goal back, didn't they? Got a penalty. And I don't know, that was another another 50-50 one. I know it was it was a handball, but I don't know whether it was deliberate or not. But that was given by the VAR. I mean, if that replay thing hadn't been there, they, they would have got away with that Spurs. And then, obviously, City got the equaliser. And then Tottenham went down the other end and, and scored another goal, didn't they? So I, I think they just about deserved it, Tottenham. But no, cracking match to watch. And that game now, that, that 3-2 win for Tottenham, blows the Premier League uh, title race wide open again. Now, you know, Liverpool had a good win against Norwich. I think they're six points behind now with a game in hand. They've still got to play City as well. So, you know, the, the next couple of months, you know, coming into the spring now, the, the title race is really going to hot up. You know, those two are, are really going for it now. And I think it's good for the for, for football, really. You've got two sides that are uh, going to entertain. You don't want a side run away with it at the top of the league. Of course, you, you want the local side to, to get the title. But I think it's going to be very, very exciting now going down the track towards the end of the season. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Obviously, like you say, Liverpool um, trying to catch them. Six points clear, one game in hand. They've got to play City, like you said. Um, it's kind of like a situation where Liverpool have to keep winning, don't they? Because if they drop points, uh, it will be difficult for for them and the chasing pack to catch them. Yeah, that's right. I mean, if you go, if you look at Manchester City's uh, results of, of late, I mean, the, the win against Sport in Lisbon, I mean, to go over there in the Champions League and win 5-0... It just shows you how, how well they're playing. They are, they are like a machine, aren't they? Um, and, and then that game against Tottenham, you would have expected them to, to win that game. I, mean, I expected them to, to, to beat Tottenham. I mean, Tottenham's been a bit of a dark horse for Manchester City over the years, but I thought they came and played really, really well. And it was just, you know, one of them things that Harry Kane goes and has a, has a great game, doesn't he? You know, the guy that they, they tried to sign. So that really was a blip for City. And that might have been the wake-up call that they needed. You know, Pep's probably had them in training in the last couple of days and he's probably given the rounds of the kitchen. He seems that sort of guy that wants perfection, doesn't he? And if you're not up to scratch, you know, he doesn't stand any messing about. So perhaps that was the kick up the backside Manchester City needed. And will they go on another mad run? Because they, they've gone 16, I think, without defeat before that Tottenham game. So in all competitions. So is it the kick up the backside they needed? Yes, it probably is. Yeah, looking back at that, Sporting uh, 5-0 dem- demolition job, uh, Paul, to go away from home in the Champions League. Because don't forget, the Champions League is the one that the, mm-hmm. the City are after. Uh, and to go to Portugal uh, and get such a sort of com- you know confident win uh, really should put confidence in, into Pep Guardiola and his men in Europe. Oh yeah, it should do. Yeah, I mean, Sporting Lisbon and all mugs, they? they're a decent side, and, and to mm. go there and, and completely dismantle them five, five nil. I thought that was a, a great show in that, and I spoke to a few lads I knew who'd, who'd been over there, and they really enjoyed it. It was a, you know, one of those performances, a bit like the Solvent game in uh, in Catalan a few years ago, the forty six nil, a bit like that. You know, one of those matches where everything seems to go right. So, you would have expected City to to respond from that against Tottenham. And, you know, perhaps there was a bit of a hangover from that. Perhaps they, they, I don't know, they took Tottenham a bit lightly. But you look at the statistics from that game and City had all the possession and just couldn't create the goals that they needed to win the game. So sometimes that happens, doesn't it? Things don't go right on the day um, and you get you get the result against you. So, um, you know, you can't go through a season and, and win every single match, can you? I mean, it doesn't happen. So um, they've just got to bounce back from that. Yeah, Riyad Mahrez, you know, playing really well for City at the moment. Uh, as well as Phil Foden, you know, they've got class all over the field with City and in the squad as well. They've got, you know, talent sort of backing up both every position, at least two and three, uh, you know, internationals, which really is a good thing for City. Obviously, we know with, with different trophies up for grabs, they need to be able to rotate. Yeah, they certainly do because it's coming to that time of the season now where we're approaching March and as we said before, we're talking about Salford City. Games are coming thick and fast, aren't they? Especially with City, we're you know fighting on all fronts, so to speak. So he uh, is. It's going to be a tough end to the season, but they've got the tools in the in the, the armory to to do the job. Like you say, they've got quality and strength in depth in all positions. So I am fully expecting them to have a real good goal this season. 
They, they want that Champions League, don't they? I think I think the supporters probably want the, the, the Premiership, don't they, more than anything. And then maybe the, the owners are desperate for the Champions League, aren't they? And probably the supporters as well. But I think the bread and butter is to win that Premier League. And obviously the bonus is the Champions League as well. But the way they played against Sport in Lisbon, you would expect them to get through now to the quarterfinals. Um, of that competition and there's, there's also some big domestic clubs still left in that you know who would they draw in the quarters could they could they draw a Liverpool or a, or a Manchester United we, we could have a battle of Britain um, down the line in the Champions League which would be another amazing prospect yep they face Everton away uh, on Saturday uh, Paul Everton under new coach Frank Lampard you know we're looking pretty good I know Van der Beek's there uh, pulling the strings uh, for Everton uh, unfortunately they went down to Southampton a 2 defeat away from home they are in kind of relegation battle so it will be an interesting uh, game that obviously Everton know they need to start picking up wins uh, and they'll probably see City coming down to Goodison Park as being a possible one I'm not too sure about that. I think I think City would be nailed on to win that game the way Everton are playing at the moment. But these are the, the sort of banana skins that you, you've got to be careful from. You know, a new manager's come in, they're desperate for, for points. You know, Everton have not been not been relegated for a long time, have they? Have they ever been relegated, Everton? No, I don't think they've been down, down, have they? No, I didn't, I didn't think they had. So, you know, they, they've got that proud record to, to uphold, haven't they? So, uh, so yeah, that'll be a tricky game for, for City. There's no doubt about that. It's never an easy game going to Goodison Park. So, they're going to have to be switched on to, to get a result there. Yeah, when you're looking, obviously, down the, the Premier League table, the relegation battle is a real, really intensive f- affair. Uh, you've got Leeds in 15 for 23. Then you've got Everton 22, Newcastle with 22. And then in the bottom three, you've got Watford at 18, Burnley on 17 and Norwich on a 17. We can talk. We can look at Norwich. They don't, don't score enough goals, uh, so they could be uh, for the trap door. Burnley are always there and thereabouts uh, towards the bottom, but always kind of survive, which is strange. And then, obviously, Watford seem to change the managers more times than I change my underpants so that's why they're probably in, in the bottom three but then you've got Newcastle Everton Leeds Newcastle uh, have new owners they've got lots of money they've, they've invested in the in the uh, the winter transfer market so they'll be looking for improvements there and obviously with Frank Lampard coming at Everton getting a, the new coach bounce uh, they're open to go as well with Leeds Leeds losing to Manchester United um, on Sunday they might get sucked in so it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next uh, few weeks or months to come in that side of the division Definitely it's um, I think Norwich City are like you said, they don't seem to score enough goals. Do they? I mean, they're perked up the last couple of weeks. But uh, Burnley had a terrific win at the weekend. I think they, did they win 3-0 at Brighton? Did Burnley win 3-0? I'm sure they won 3-0. So they, they had a good result there. And I think they've yes. got results in them, Burnley. I think they have got results in them. They seem to be able to pull, pull, uh, pull results out, don't they? So I'd probably fancy them. But at the moment, there's a bit of a gap there developing, isn't there, between the, the bottom three and, and safety. So... You know, Leeds United, that defeat there, that's probably sucked them down into it slightly. Newcastle, you never know what's going to happen with Newcastle, do you? They're a very funny side. Um, a bit of a conundrum then, really. So, yeah, it promises to be an interesting end to the season. One side that's impressed me of recent weeks has been Southampton. Yep. I think they've they've really picked up form, haven't they? They got a good result against Manchester United, another good result at the weekend, and uh, they've really pulled themselves clear from it. But, no, Everton's won as well. It's never been relegated. So they'll they'll want to you know that'd be a disaster if they, if they were to go down. So uh, so yeah, it promises to be a real interesting and nerve wracking end to the season from those sides that are down there. There's always one club, Paul, that sort of drops like a stone towards the end of the season, and I'm thinking Brentford in 14th place, currently on 24 points. Uh, could be that club because they started quite well and they, they play high uh, intensity football and you know towards the end of the season if injuries and, and players get tired they might get sucked in uh, but we'll never we'll have to wait and see obviously like I said it's only February there's, there's plenty of football to be played uh, and uh, like I say if they go on a run they could have ended up in the in Europe we never know yeah, I think that's the only drawback sometimes for, for sides like that, who, who probably punch above the weight, really, Brentford. I mean, they've probably got nowhere near as much as enough money as, as some of the, the sides above them. I don't think that the stadium's that big. I mean, I've been there watching, we've been there watching Salford a few times, at Griffin Park. I don't know that it's changed a bit now, the stadium. But, but yeah, they've done a tremendous job to just get into the Premier League. And, you know, on 24 points at the moment, I think you're probably finding now that they're, I don't want to say running out of steam, but they've probably not got that squad and, and probably are sort of slowing down a bit now. They, they've had to rotate, picked up a few injuries and, and you, you're behind the eight ball slightly, aren't you? So, yeah, that, that'll be difficult for them. I think Leeds United are another side that, you know, could could fall down. I mean, they, they've 
been pretty poor recently, haven't they? And a bit of a thumping at home to Manchester United. That's going to dent their confidence as well. So uh, we'll have to watch. It's going to be. It's definitely, like you said, it's going to be a fascinating end to the season. Yep. Uh, let's talk about Manchester United now, Paul. Uh, they beat Leeds four-two uh, on Sunday. Great result uh, for Raf. For Ralph's men, um, obviously, we've had a few difficult weeks, uh, and you're kind of hoping that they can, uh, you know, continue this good form after this good win. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, they have had a few, um, a few difficult weeks, some difficult results, dropping out of the FA Cup to um, a Championship team. No disrespect to Middlesbrough, but that was a very, very disappointing result for Manchester United. They draw with Southampton with poor. Uh, I know they got a decent win against Brighton in the week, didn't they, to, to perk themselves up a bit? And uh, yeah, so. Uh, so, and then a win today at Leeds is, is a good result. It's a tough place to go, Ellen Road, isn't it? Especially with that sort of rivalry between Leeds United and Manchester United to go there and win 4-2. I think it was a good uh, a good result, a good second-half performance from United as well. Now that's something to build on. It's been such an in-and-out season for them. They've been so up and down. I think the supporters are just craving a bit of... Um, a bit of consistency now, aren't they? And I think they'd settle for a few boring one nil wins, wouldn't they, just to get themselves back on the on track? Yeah. Um, obviously, there was talk about uh, Ronaldo not scoring five before he scored against Brighton. How, how do you view Cristiano Ronaldo's season at Old Trafford? Is it can be marked as a success or a failure? Um, I don't think it's a failure. I think you're pinning off a lot of expectation on a guy who's probably coming to the latter stage of his career. He's not 21 anymore, is he? So I think an awful lot of expectation was plonked on him. Um, and I think he started really, really well, probably just faded slightly. And he's not scoring the goals that he was at the start of the season. But, you know, you can't expect him to, to pull you out of, the, out of the fire every week. I think there's other players at Manchester United that need to stand up and be counted sometimes, you know, rather than just taking a wage off them. Um, you've got to put the work in, haven't you? And I think some there's some players there sometimes that just seem to think that they're going to click the fingers and it's all going to go right for them. You've got to work. You've got to work hard. It's a long, hard season. The, the English English league. We've, we've mentioned that loads of times, and and you know you can't just expect to to get results. You've got you've got to work for them. Yes, and that's the, that's half the battle um, for Manchester United against these other teams because you see Manchester United as being the cup final and they will run themselves into the ground because you're playing the red shirt and that's an important thing for Manchester United players because they need to realise they have to be on the top form every week uh, and sometimes they're not and sometimes they don't really want to run around I think this, one of the stats is that the youth they are one of the teams that don't run uh, as much as the other teams in the, in the in the Premier League I know it's improved slightly under, under Ralph but he's looking at it and he kind of He's look at the players and he wants to to bring uh, new players in. Hopefully, if he gets the chance, because obviously we don't know, do we? Uh, you know, if he will be in the Manchester United job next season. No, we don't know, do we? Um, I thought he was just he was going to move upstairs next season. That's what it sounds like when he first came. But nobody really knows, do they? But there's an outsider looking in, as I always say. This I don't know whether he's had the the sort of impact that was expected of him. Really, I mean, when when Ollie left and this fella came in, it was all going to be, he's this great coach and this great coaching guru. But for one reason or another, it doesn't seem to have improved that much to me from, from Ollie. I don't know what your take is on it, Rob, but they seem to have plateaued and, I don't know, just, just going around in circles at the moment. I think I think with Man United, the, the you know, defensively, structure-wise, they are better. The problem with Manchester United is the lack of movement up front. Um, obviously, Ronaldo isn't 21. He's never going to go in running behind anybody. And the likes of Ratchford uh, and Fernandez, you know, they, they don't want to run. They don't want to move into space. And if you move into space, you create space for others. And I think Manchester United, they play they play pretty patterns around the field. You know, lovely one-touch football, 40 yards from goal, when really that needs to happen on the edge of the opponent's box. If you want to, if you want to make uh, sort of a goal at our chances, and Manchester United don't seem to be able to do that, Paul. And that's my main worry because Ralph's uh, philosophy is is kind of rock and roll football, like uh, Jurgen Klopp. You know, gang gang attack, everyone goes, and we, and we will smother the ball and try and win the ball back, and then go and score. And it's it's not. I'm not seeing it. At, at Old Trafford, I know. I know we've won four two away at Leeds to, today, uh, which, which is great. Obviously, you know that's something to celebrate. Uh, but 
that kind of performance, um, is, is that championship winning material? Not for me. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. Ralph's, Ralph's got his ideas uh, and it's up to the, the board and the owners to decide whether he gets that chance to, to, uh, to, to lead the team forward. Yeah, I think to win championships, you've got to be a lot more consistent. Um, you've got to be a lot more tighter in defence, haven't you? A lot more meaner in defence and not give away as what, what United are giving away at the moment. I think they're quite a way off challenging for championships. And Two in and out for me. Um, not not consistent enough. And yeah, they can come up with some good performances. 4-2 at Leeds is a good win. But you've got to do that week in, week out now and, and, and back that up. And for me, I wouldn't put my mortgage on you know the winning in Europe next week. I'm not. I'm not too sure it's Atletico Madrid next week. You know, you look at the bookmakers there on that one. They've not made Manchester United favourites from what I've seen. So in the moment, they're not the Manchester United of all where you could put your mortgage on certain games, couldn't you? But at the moment, they're two in and out. Yep. So let's talk rugby league now, Paul and Salford Red Devils. They made two wins from two games uh, by beating Toulouse Olympic thirty-eight points to twelve. Fantastic win uh, for Paul Rowley's men. Yeah, it certainly was. And the conditions, Rob, were really poor. I mean, we know there's been big storms in the UK all week, hasn't there? And, um, you know, I don't think it was a massive storm today, but the, the weather was very poor. It teamed it down with rain most of the day, a swirling wind. The pitch was was quite boggy. and Well, not boggy, but very slippery and slider ball was like a bar of soap. So, you know, chances were going to be few and far between, you would have thought. But no, Salford scored four tries early, early doors in the first sort of... 20 minutes of the match, 25 minutes of the match and, and sort of blew to lose Olympic away really and you know some some great tries Ken Seo there that, that first try he scored great kick from Mark Sneed I mean Mark Sneed again on Sunday I thought he was outstanding his kicking game was was superb you know um, you know, kicking for attacking kicks and his goal kicking was pretty good as well in, in the conditions. So, yeah, so some great tries early doors in the game and some great support play from Ryan Briley. You know, Brody Croft got involved as well. So, uh, a great start. They got us 20 nil up. Yeah, obviously, Paul Rowley talks about uh, game management. Kicking game was spot on as well. I thought Sneed and, and Brody Croft really played the conditions really well. And, you know, to go. You know, four scores up early gives them that security, and it gives that platform to to kick on from. Yeah, that's right, that's right, and and they were good tries as well. I mean, the the, the CO try, I think the Briley one as well. Great support play there. They were trying things out as well. I mean, sneak kicking early in the tackle cap again for Joe, for Joe Burgess, tremendous kicking game, and then. You know, the short kicking game as well, you know, forcing dropouts. It was constant pressure for Toulouse and they, they didn't have any answer to that, really. I know they got a try just before half-time from uh, former Swinton man, Chris Hankinson. But, um, you know, they were they were well on top there, so for going at the break. And, you know, Toulouse put up a good fight, though. They got a try just after half-time. And it looked then, it's like to me, like Salford had took their eye off the ball a little bit at 20 points to 12. And there was a stage there where I think if Toulouse had scored again and got it to 2018, we could have had a different story. But, no, Salford muscled up in defence when they had to do and then uh, and then got a few more tries I think Tim Lafayette scored that was off another good kick you know um, Ken Seo got another one off another good kick through so the, the kicking game really you know brought the good zone for Salford at, at the weekend you know Matt Sneed Brodie Croft I thought their partnership was absolutely superb massive performances from the forwards I think for me King V as I'm going to call him <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought he played really well when he was on he, he made some really terrific ground and you know, took took a lot of stopping, made some real good meters, and uh, there were some big performances there from some of the forwards. And real, real credit in that that uh, those conditions really to, to score thirty eight points and the the team in down rain is is no mean feat whatsoever. Mm. You mean King Bunny Ayala? That's him. I think King V's got a bit of a ring to it, though. Yeah, he does, yeah. yeah I, I think he'd, he'd like that. And I think, obviously, it makes, uh, you know, it's really good. He's scored against Casford last week. He's, he's, he's certainly yeah. making an impression. He's big. Uh, is it Fijian? He came from Leeds. It's, it's you know, he's kind of a player that, that Salford's pack can be built around. Definitely, yeah. I don't remember him getting massive raps at Leeds. And I think when he came in to solve it, people were like, well, I'm not too sure on this guy. We don't really know a lot about him. But he seems to have a tremendous attitude. And the two games I've seen him, and I think he's been one of our best forwards, Rob. I think he's tackled really well. He, he makes a lot of yards on that first contact. And he's only a fairly young man as well. So, um, so yeah, I think he could be one of the finds of the season. You know, uh, I think, again, at the weekend, you, you've got to give rap, big raps to Shane Wright and Elijah Taylor. I think Elijah Taylor's a fantastic player. The, the amount of work that he gets through, the amount of tackling that he does, um, absolutely outstanding. And, and Ken Seo, four tries, five tries in, in, in two matches. 
he's um, you give Ken a, half a chance and he takes it, doesn't he? He's, he's got so much pace. I mean, that final try that he scored, his, his fourth try, the Toulouse kicked through. He took that and went the full length of the field. Look how fast he went down that field. Look how bad. Well, I'm not saying the pitch was bad because the pitch is always in good nick, but quite a wet, slippery, greasy pitch. And it looked like it was a bone dry day the way he raced away for that. So, yeah, Ken, Ken Seal, just so glad he stayed at the club. Great, great, great winger. Yeah, great, great news we kept him. Obviously, Super League's top try scorer last year, Paul. Um, you know, with tries like the the four he got today, he could be really going again for that uh, for a double this uh, this time. I don't see why not, Rob. I think you know, last season one of our downfalls was we couldn't score. We we couldn't seem to score points under Richard Marshall last season, and tries were hard to come by. I mean, we, let's not get carried away. We've only played two games, but we played you know two decent sides. Cats are a good side. Uh, we went there and, and scored some points and, we, and we've scored, what, seven tries again this weekend against Toulouse. So we look like we, we, we can score points. I mean, that's seven tries on a, a real rotten day where it's absolutely tossing it down. So when you get in the, in the summertime when you've got really good dry pitches, like it's a Brodie Croft, Brian Bryler there, you know, there's that, that pace and that support play. You know, let's hope we can really you know rack some points up and be entertaining. And if Ken Seals on the end of that, I think he could be a top try scorer again. Yep. Um, Hull FC away uh, on Saturday, Paul. Uh, be a tough game. Uh, Hull lost this weekend, um, so they'll be they'll be looking for bounce back. But you know we're in good form. Two wins from two games, scoring tries will be an intriguing contest. They will be. I don't think there's much to fear at Hull. I think you know Hull are a decent team. They're they're always talked up, aren't they, by the, the pundits and the and the press? Uh, I don't think they always deserve it the way they talked up. I mean Luke Gale. Got sent off at the weekend against St. Ellen, so I don't know whether he'll be able to play. I don't think he'll be playing if he's suspended, so he'll be a bit of a hole out with their side. So, so yeah, I think it's a big test for us. It's a big test going away from home. We, we passed a big test at, at Castleford. This will be another one now for us. So, uh, you know, the pressure's on Hull. They're, they're the home side. They're everybody's favourites, aren't they? They're going to get in the top four, this, that and the other. They've made some big signs. So, we can go there, quietly go about our business and... Um, I think we'll do a good job. I think Paul Rowley will have his tactics right. And you look at the confidence the lads are going to have now from two wins from two, the way they play. Max Need directing around the pitch and causing all sorts of problems with his with his kicking game. I think we've got more than enough chance of, of going in there and getting the win. It'll be a fascinating encounter, that, Rob. Yeah. Let's talk Swinton, uh, Swinton Lions now. Uh, they've arranged a friendly with Keefley on the 13th of March. Uh, Paul, it'll be a good game, that. Plenty of opportunity to get fit ready for the new season. Yeah, their season will be upon us. So uh, well, it's already upon us, isn't it? They were played in the Challenge Cup uh, last week, but their league season will be upon us, you know, sooner rather than later. And yeah, Keith Lecouge is one of the, the favourites to, uh, to to win that um, that league one. So uh, you know, Swinton are uh, one of the bookies' favourites as well. So that'll be a tough test for them to see where they're at going into the season. It's going to be a difficult one. We mentioned it last week, didn't we? We talked about the other sides in the, in the league there, Oldham's and uh, Keithley's, Rochdale Hornets, Hunslet are, are a good side as well, Doncaster, there's, there's some good sides there and I think that's going to be a really, really competitive league and I wouldn't like to pick a winner from those sides I've just mentioned. So, so yes, yeah, Swinton are going to have to be switched on. They've made some good signings, haven't they? And I think last week's defeat in the, in the Challenge Cup will have hurt them. You know, they're expected to win that game against North Wales, who again... Could be dark horses for that league. North Wales are a good side. You know, Patrick Arvan on the wing for them and one or two other uh, players who played in Super League. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be a very, very interesting league. It will be interesting. Obviously, with 90 seconds to go, uh, news got to us that a Swinton uh, favourite has had to depart to, uh, to become a fireman, Paul. Yeah, we'll hope. Yeah, that was a... A bit of a bit of sweet story, really. Will Hope playing. We remember him playing at Salford, but he's he's done really well in his career at Swinton. Played a lot of games for them, and very likable guy with, with, with the supporters. So uh, he's obviously got this opportunity now to go and be be a fireman, and, and he's taken that. You've got to think about the the longevity of your career. I mean, I think he'll be missed at Swinton. He really will be, but I'm sure he'll be there, you know, supporting the team when he can. But no, no real good character, and uh, best of luck, Will, with your uh, your career in the fire service. Yeah, obviously with 30 seconds to go, it's going to be a, a tough job uh, replacing him. Yeah, it certainly is. It's, it's a blow. That's a blow for Swinton you know, on the on the eve of the season. But as I said before, you've got to look after yourself and look after your career. And he's had to make probably what's been a real tough decision for the lad. So uh, you've got to wish him all the best and good luck with his future. Yeah, it's obviously good luck to him and good luck to Swinton Lions. So that's the end of this week's uh, Sports Zone. I'm Rob Parkson. Uh, and uh, hopefully you'll tune in next week for more Salford Sporting Chat. 